Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You ever thought about the fact that as complicated as life is, that life is really all about making choices. That, that's all life is about. We, we make choices. In fact, we make so many choices that in the next seven days, if we came back next Monday and we asked you, how many choices have you made in the last week? The reality is nobody could, could tell you that number. We, we make choices all the time. For example, I drove up on the parking lot tonight. I didn't think about it, but I found a place to park. Now, that's a choice. I didn't get out and, and study it. I just pulled in, but I made a choice. We make all kinds of choices and uh, someone said we make choices, but over a lifetime, those choices make us who we are. Someone said that choices either become a burden or a blessing to you. We make uh, small choices like uh, parking places. We make choices that don't seem, that, that kind of seem small. For example, uh, I ate lunch today with someone and I made a choice. That may seem insignificant, although 30 years from now, I may be in a doctor's office. He may say, you made, you made the wrong choices about your food selection and your health isn't good. We make choices about who we're going to get married to and all those type of things. Uh, the choices become a burden or they become a blessing. We also make choices about spiritual issues. Adrian Rogers used to say that decision determines destiny. Isn't that true? As much as God loves us, as much as he wants us to be in his will, the reality is that God has never made us a robot, but he always gives us choices. He, he calls us, he invites us, he speaks to our heart, and so on. And I want to give you tonight some things to consider when we think about making the greatest choice we can ever make, and that is having a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, uh, there's a lot of folks I respect when I think about the gospel. I think about people like Billy Graham, and I could name a lot of guys who are contemporary that I would respect when it comes to the gospel. But you know who I think knows more about the gospel than anybody who's ever lived? I would think Jesus knows more about the gospel. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7, and I want to uh, read a few verses from this chapter that Jesus spoke. And he talks about making choices. And so, uh, when it comes to making this choice, just a few things we ought to consider. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 13. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go into it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inside there are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Well, that's a portion of his message. All, all chapter 7 and chapter 6 and chapter 5, by the way, is, is the message he gives. And so when we think about making life's greatest choice, in just a moment I'm going to give you that opportunity. But I want to tell you some things Jesus said to consider. 
about making the greatest choice you can ever make. First of all, uh, Jesus says this. I'm just going to tell you, uh, Jesus is an unusual speaker. Uh, when you read the message of Jesus, uh, Jesus was a very straight shooter. You ever notice that? Jesus just kind of told people what he thought. For example, uh, someone comes to Jesus and says, Hey, uh, I want to follow you. You know, I've been on church staff. I'd say, Hey, come on. Jesus says, uh, Foxes have holes and birds have nests. I don't have a place to lay my head at night. Uh, someone says, I'm going to follow you. Uh, Jesus says, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Someone says, I'm going to follow you after my, uh, you know, after my dad passes away. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. I mean, he's very straightforward, and, uh, and that's good because he wants us to know all the facts when it comes to making a decision. Jesus is not a used car salesman. Jesus isn't a guy who uh, is trying to sell you anything. Jesus is not only tells the truth, Jesus says, I am the truth. And so, uh, just a few things to consider. And, and, and I'll tell you, as I looked at this this morning and uh, a little bit this afternoon before I came here, uh, to tell you the truth, what Jesus says when you step back from it, it's really a few frightening things about this choice. He tells us some of the difficult things about making this choice, some things that if we don't make the choice are kind of tragic to think about. First of all, Jesus says that when it comes to making this choice, not everyone makes the right choice. That, that, that's what he's talking about here. He says that not everybody chooses right. Uh, I wrote this down. If you read the whole passage of chapter 7, and we read most of what I'm going to say, but here's what he says. He contrasts some things. Listen to this. He says there's differences. In fact, I'll be honest with you. If it wasn't Jesus saying this, uh, if I was someone uh, looking at a young preacher and the young preacher said, tell me about my message, I'd probably say, dude, you, you kind of did some overkill. I, I think I got your point after two, three illustrations. Jesus gives about a dozen illustrations to illustrate the different roads we can be on. For example, I wrote them down. Here's what he says. He says there's two gates. That's enough for me. I, I got it. There's two ways. And he says, no, there's two gates. There's two ways. There's two destinations. There's two groups of people lost and saved. There's two kinds of trees. One produces bad fruit, one produces good fruit. There's two kinds of fruit, as I just said. There's two groups that stand at the judgment. Lost folks stand at their judgment. Saved folks will stand at their judgment. There's two types of builders. We didn't keep reading about this. There's two types of builders, and they build on two different kinds of foundation. You know what Jesus is doing? Jesus, in first century A.D., is talking to folks just like us, and he's drawing the line as carefully as he can. What he's doing is saying, you may decide to go to hell. You may decide not to go to heaven. You may not make the right choice. But if you don't make the right choice, it won't be because I didn't tell you the truth. He's drawing the line in the sand saying, you may want to wake up when it comes to making this choice. Not everybody makes the right choice. The second thing Jesus says about this choice that we ought to consider, when it comes to making the greatest choice you can make. Now, now let me put this again in perspective. Uh, where I park tonight really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Even if I park somewhere where Dr. Mills has me towed away, well, you know, I, I, I can live through that. It's not really that big of a deal. Even as tragic as it would be to make a decision that affects your health and so on, that, that's bad. But can you imagine making the worst decision in your life, and that's the decision to live a life and never accept the invitation that Jesus gives us and to die and one day spend eternity away from it. So Jesus says this, most people make the wrong decision. Think about it. Jesus says not everybody makes the right decision. And maybe say, yeah, I guess there's some folks. Then he says, no, no, you don't understand. There's not just a few folks. He says most people, when presented with the gospel, 
do not make the right decision. Now, now let me put this in perspective. Ever read the book of Revelation, we see worship at the throne of God. And John says there's a multitude that no man could number. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every kindred. Uh, th- th- there's a lot of folks in heaven. But what he's saying is, in comparison from Adam and Eve to wherever the time the world ends, the percentage is small. What he's saying is, most people make the wrong decision. And he gives this illustration. He says, let me tell you how it is. He says, uh, there's a road to heaven, and it's narrow. It's small. It's a one-lane highway. There's a road to destruction and hell. It's a mega freeway. Now, he's not saying that it's hard to go to heaven. What he's saying, the road to heaven is narrow because there's only one way to go to heaven. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. The road to hell is broad because of this reason. Technically, you only go to hell because you reject Jesus. That's the only reason. But from a human perspective, there's a lot of streets you can go. And there's a lot of folks who think they're going to heaven, but they've chosen the wrong road. I talk to folks all the time, especially one-on-one. When you witness, you think you're going to heaven. I believe I am. Why do you think that? And you know, Dr. Mills, the average person I've talked to in Georgia who thinks they're going to heaven, when they give me the reason, they give me the wrong reason. Well, I'm a pretty good person. See, they're on the goodness road. It's not going to get you to heaven. Well, you know, I've, I've been baptized. Somebody told me a couple days ago, I've been baptized three times in the church. Uh, baptism doesn't get you to heaven. And, and I could go on and on. I had time about this. But Jesus says that most people do not make the right decision. Uh, Dr. Mills Yesterday, I was talking about some great evangelists that he's very familiar with, some who are already in heaven. And uh, he mentioned a guy named Angel Martinez, which no reason most of you know that name, but he's a great evangelist. When I was on staff of First Base New Orleans in seminary, we had him in. And uh, Dr. Mills, you may get a kick out of this. He came dressed in a normal suit, but he stepped into the pastor's office and came out in a white suit. That was back in the day when folks did that. That was part of who he was. But uh, had the whole Bible memorized, by the way. He had the whole Bible. He had a photographic memory. But... Uh, but we were talking. He said that one time he got to preach uh, for a pastor, a well-known pastor, and, uh, and that pastor was, was a Calvinist. And Dr. Uh, Angel Potential was not. He was an evangelist. He preached to everybody, preached, preached invitations and so on. Uh, but, but, but he said when he was there, he had just done a big crusade, and about 500 people got saved. And somebody on that staff of that pastor asked him, uh, how was the crusade last week? He said about 500 people got saved. And uh, this... Uh, Reformed pastor, and I don't agree with that theology, but this reformed pastor uh, asked the question, well, uh, how many people said no? And Angel Martini said, I never thought about how many said no. He said, I didn't have an answer for him. But that's kind of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that uh, most people, when it comes to making a decision, for example, uh, I was at the crusade when Billy Graham in the, in the 90s came to the Georgia Dome, and he still has the record for the most folks in that, in that uh, Coliseum. Uh, in youth night, broke that record, and a lot of folks got saved. But the reality is, uh, we rejoice at those who got saved, but you know what? Four more people that week in Atlanta said no to the invitation. Four more people, although the, the same was full, uh, four more people said, no, I'm not coming. No, I'm not interested. No, I'm not going to do it tonight. In fact, Billy Graham tells a story that one time, uh, when he was about 50 years of age, he went to one of his associates' crusades. They were preaching, and about two days later, he was going to be preaching in the big, big uh, stadium. They were preaching a smaller venue with about 5,000 people. And uh, he said, the evangelist said, uh, why don't you turn to your neighbor and just talk to him about Jesus. And Billy Graham uh, had sunglasses on. He turned to his neighbor and he said, wouldn't you like to get saved? And the guy said, I'm going to wait till the big dog preaches. And he didn't know that he was talking to Billy Graham. <laughs> uh, but, but the reality is that most people 
don't get saved. You say, how do you know that? Because I just read what Jesus said. Jesus, again, he goes overkill. Two gates, two ways, two foundations, two houses, two fruits, two types of people, two judgments, and so on. And, and, and he defines it so uh, graphically, hey, uh, the road to heaven is narrow. Well, that's all you have to tell me. My logic says, I, I, I get you. But he says, no, I want to make sure you get me. It's narrow and very few find it. So I wonder what he means by very few. You don't have to look in the commentary. It means exactly what he says. The road to destruction is broad. Hey, that's all I need to know. My logic tells me I can see the picture. It's wide. A lot of folks are on. He said, no, I want to make sure you know it. The road to hell and destruction is broad, and many people find that road. Uh, a third thing we ought to consider about making life's greatest choice is this. And this, I believe, is the most frightening. Th th those two things are sad, but but I think the most frightening is this. Jesus says that many people will believe they've made the right decision when in reality they've made the wrong decision. Did you catch that part? Jesus says, he doesn't say, there'll be some people at judgment who will believe that they made the right decision. No, he says, many will say to me in judgment day. Now, I want you to picture this. It's one thing if you doubt your salvation. And in my mind, if you doubt your salvation, it kind of means this, you die. And doubt means you don't know. You, by the way, some Christians doubt and they're really saved. But a doubt means I'm not real sure. And so you stand before God, and God looks and says, your name's not in the book. Depart from me. And I guess you'd say, well, I'm not really surprised because I had all those doubts. Every time Dr. Mills preached, I, I wondered if I was saved, so I guess I was wrong. I had those doubts. But that's not what he's talking about. He says, many will stand at judgment in the judgment day. And the Lord will say, depart from me. And you know what these folks are going to do? They are so sure they're on the right road, they basically say, Lord, you better check your book again. Now think about how brazen that is. You're standing before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the sinless Son of God, who paid the sacrifice on the cross, rose from the dead, defeated all that, that was involved in death, hell, and the grave. And he stands and says, depart from me. And Jesus says, many, not just a few, many will stand and say, you, you better look again in your book. And then they define it. We preached for you. We cast out demons for you. We've done many wonderful works. You know what's interesting? Jesus doesn't say, no, you didn't. They, did, they, they were involved in those things. Uh, they were involved in the work. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, I, I believe I'm going to heaven. I don't have any doubt about going to heaven. I, I, I've sealed that when I was 19 years old. I just have a, an assurance of going to heaven. But I'll tell you one thing I don't believe. I don't think I'm going to heaven because I travel around Georgia and preach in churches. If you say, why, why are you going to heaven? I would not tell you. I believe I'm going to heaven because well, even like tonight, I'm away from my family. I believe the sacrificing of serving God going to heaven, uh, it won't get me an inch close to heaven. I'm not going to heaven because I tithe. I'm not going to heaven because I support my local church. I do all those things. I'm not going to heaven because I try to live a moral life. I do those things because I want to be the best servant I can be. I'm going to heaven because when I was 19 years of age, I, I finally humbled myself enough to confess I'm a sinner. And the Lord Jesus Christ did everything. We used to sing a song. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it as white as snow. Uh, but these folks have it confused. Uh, the, these folks believe I'm going to heaven. Well, I've been a deacon at Beach Haven for 25 years. It won't get you to heaven. Well, I'm going to heaven. It, it's a sacrifice to write that tithing check every week. Maybe, but it won't get you to heaven. 
And, and I think that's the most frightening thing that you can preach to people who are on the broad road to destruction, and yet there's no conviction. Because they sit there and they're like, yeah, uh, I know what you mean, preacher. Uh, I made that decision. And these people think they made the right decision, and Jesus says they made the wrong decision. Uh, there's a verse in Proverbs. In fact, I guess it's such an important verse. It's in Proverbs 14, verse 12. It's also in Proverbs 16, same verse. By the way, if you want to memorize a verse, memorize that one verse. You've got two verses to memorize. <laughs> verse says this. There's a way that seems right to a person, but it ends in death. Isn't that a frightening verse? In other words, God is telling me, be real careful. Because there's a way that to human understanding looks like you're, you're on the right path. In other words, uh, you, you, it, it, it looks good because I'm a pretty good person and I don't cuss too much and I'm not near as bad as some of those other folks that live in my neighborhood. And I really try to read my Bible, you know, every so often during the week. I try to do those things and it looks right. But God says this, there's a way that to you looks right, but it ends in death. Uh, a fourth thing to consider is this. Jesus says when it comes to making life's greatest decision, I'm say again, Jesus knows what he's talking about. Why? Well, it goes without saying, but there's a verse that says Jesus is the author and finisher of the faith. In other words, everything starts with Jesus, everything ends with Jesus, and everything in the middle between those points is Jesus. And Jesus says this, when it comes to making life's greatest decision, Jesus says no one can make life's greatest decision after death. Now, now think about these. Uh, the, these people don't want to miss heaven. They sent the judgment, and, and when I picture it, putting together some of the judgment scenes in Scripture, they're standing at the judgment, and Jesus says, I, I don't know you. I, I guess that's the most tragic words you could ever hear. I mean, Jesus looks at you, it's judgment, and you see these big old angels over there, they, they just waiting. They just, they're not human they don't, have any, they, don't, they don't have any sorrow about it. They, just, they do what God tells them to do. They're just waiting. All the strength in the world. They ain't any problem carrying you, you. You may be the man in Athens, and you ain't the man in heaven at the judgment. Those angels won't have any problem. And so they're standing there, and uh, these guys are told, I never knew you. And all of a sudden, some desperation sets in. You better look at your book. Man, I've preached crusades. Man, I've, I've witnessed everywhere. Uh, I've done this and I've done that. And the Lord doesn't dispute that because they're telling the truth. that they've, they've spent a lifetime in human service to God, but they never bothered to get saved. And Jesus says, I never knew you. And all of a sudden, uh, you put together all the judgment scenes. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, uh, hell is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, in Luke 16, Jesus talks about a man uh, who goes to hell. And he says it's so hot that, that, that man says, hey, if you could just, just send somebody from heaven. And, and, and think about this. If you could send somebody from heaven, and before he comes, if he could just dip his finger, just one finger in water, and if a drop of that water could land on my tongue, it would do me some good. I played football and did those kind of things. And I'll tell you, I remember back in those days, uh, coaches were pretty tough on you. I remember sometimes thinking, I'm... I'm, I'm I need some water bad. But I'll be honest with you. I've never been so thirsty that if someone says, I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll dip my finger in water and just flick a little drop. You know, I think I can pass on that. I don't think it's going to help me any. But in hell, undoubtedly, it is such an awful place. And let me tell you something that I believe. When I read what Jesus says, and the Bible says about hell, 
I believe this is, is, is a terrible place, but I don't really believe the human mind can comprehend how horrible hell is. By the way, on the bright side, when I read all the awesome adjectives about heaven, I don't think the human mind can comprehend how awesome heaven's going to be. But, but we know about life's greatest choice. These guys are arguing. They're debating. You'll always lose a debate with God. By the way, they're not going to heaven, but they're debating. Lord, we've done all these things. What they're saying is we want to go to heaven. So if Jesus had said this, he'll never say, if Jesus had said, well, I'll tell you what, I've never done this before, probably won't ever do it since. If you'll, if you'll make the choice now, let's go to heaven. What do you think they would have done? They just said, just tell us what to do. But what Jesus is saying is, the time to make life's greatest choice is not on that side of death, it's on this side of death. And the last thing is this, the last thing just from, from all of Scripture and from this whole message that Jesus gave, this could be your last opportunity to make life's greatest choice. So why is that? I preached about it a little bit last night. Uh, there's two or three reasons. One reason is the heart is deceitful. That's another verse, by the way, that's, that's, that's worded twice in Scripture. Jeremiah 17 says the heart is, is deceitful and desperately wicked. And uh, the Bible says harden not your heart over in Hebrews. You know what it means to harden your heart? You ever shook someone's hand, maybe they're a carpenter, they're in construction, and you feel two things, the strength in their hand, but you also feel the calluses. Uh, when I was young in high school, in between junior and senior year and sophomore and junior year, I think, uh, I, I worked in construction. Uh, by the way, I'm non-mechanical. I was just a flunky. I just kind of carried stuff around. But, but I remember one day a, a guy, he's probably about 50 years old, been in construction all his life. I remember one day he was playing around. He took a little pen about that long and stuck it in his hand. It seemed like he stuck it half an inch in there and it just didn't hurt him. Why? Because his calluses were just, I mean, that's what, his hands were both strong and they were calloused. When the Bible says harden not your heart, it's talking about your spiritual heart, it's the same type of a word. What it means is your heart can get callous. Did you know that? So how does that happen? I think what happens is we, we keep hearing about Jesus. We keep saying no to Jesus. We keep saying another time. We keep saying not today. We keep saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And ultimately, if we're not careful, we can become hardened. And by the way, uh, Dr. Mills, I, I would think as much as you witness, you've got some folks in your mind, on your mind right now who who you real concerned about. I've got some. I've got some folks who I've been witnessing for 20 years. And this is the truth. 20 years ago, I could talk with them. And without exception, every four, five, six months, I would talk to them about Jesus, and there'd be tears in their eyes. I can talk to them today, and sometimes the body language, they're like this. And they're, and, and they're still nice to me because they know me. But you can tell the body language is, I don't care anything about what you're saying. I don't have any concern. And I leave those conversations very grieved. Now, I don't know they can be saved. They, I don't know what's going to happen with them, but I do know that their heart is not quite in the place it used to be. Second thing that can happen is you can die. We're not going to go into detail. We talked about that last night. Uh, we quoted the verse, Hebrews 9, 27. It's appointed until everybody wants to die. That, 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 that's why tonight, if I said, is there anybody here who uh, likes politics that maybe voted for George Washington? Some of you look like you might have voted for George Washington, but nobody here voted for George Washington. You know why? Because nobody who was Life 200 years ago is alive today because death comes. I'm talking about they're not living on earth. They're in their eternity. This is the third thing that I was looking at today and I thought a little convicted. I don't preach enough on. We don't talk about it enough. But you know, Jesus Christ is coming back one day. Do you know that? In other words, before this sermon is finished, Gabriel could blow the trumpet. And can I tell you, from what I study in Revelation and so on, it looks like there's going to be a great harvest after the rapture of, of Jews and so on. I don't think 
very many folks like me who are Gentile that said no and no and no. I don't see a great harvest coming to the Gentiles. And, and so uh, death and hardness of heart and the second coming can end any opportunity to make life's greatest choice. And let me tell you a story, and I'll give an invitation. About 10 years ago, I was uh, in a midst of about seven or eight weeks. Uh, I did some, Dr. Mills, I, I don't, I say I don't do the day. I've done it, done it too many times that I try not to do anymore because I've matured some. I overbooked my schedule. Uh, I had about 14, 15 revivals in a row. The problem is a few of those revivals, and that was about 10 years ago, some of those revivals Sunday through Thursday. Uh, what happened is those revivals were booked quite a bit in advance, and it just so happened I got some phone calls about, hey, could you do a Friday night youth record? And I don't know why, I just couldn't say no. I said, yeah, I can do it because it looked good. You know, a year from now I'm going to do this. But when the time approached, I got real busy. And uh, I'm not a person that gets stressed out too much, but for some reason about the middle of uh, doing those meetings and, and uh, doing some things on Friday night, I just didn't get a lot of rest. And uh, I was driving to Alabama on a Friday. I was going to do something on Friday night, and I actually had something for an association on Saturday, and uh, I was going to start revival on Sunday. And for some reason, I was, I was driving on I-20 going to Alabama from the Atlanta area, uh, my mind got worried. I just got, man, I've got so much going on. I was thinking, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Uh, I've got to be prepared for this. And I don't know why. It just, it just, just, just my mind got worried, I guess, which is very unusual for me. And I guess I wasn't driving very fast because all of a sudden uh, on my left, uh, I was in the slow lane. On my left, uh, I, I saw a big truck pull up. And I looked down. I was only going about 55, which is very slow on I-20. And uh, so like most men, I gave it more gas. I figured you're going to pass and I'm going to make you work for it. So I gave it a little bit more gas so he, you know, you know how that works. And as that truck passed me, it was an 18-wheeler. And uh, it took a while because I actually did speed up. But as it passed me, I looked over there and it was two layers of cows. And I don't know how God speaks to you. But I'm sitting there, and I, I realized I was going too slow. I realized, oh, my mind's, my mind's not on my driving because I'm worried about this speaking. This, I've got too much going on. And I looked over there about halfway through them passing me, and it looked like the cows were looking at me, and they were chewing. And I don't know how God speaks to you, but I thought, and I spoke out loud. Lord, those cows don't have a care in the world. And I belong to you, and I'm worried. I was getting convicted. And, and I remember the verse, you know, his eyes on the surround. I'm like, Lord, you've already got, Lord, you've got this taken care of. I mean, I've got this speaking. I've got all this is going, and it did turn, everything turned out good. And I'm just kind of getting convicted. Lord, they don't even know you like I know you. A couple minutes went by, and that big 18-wheeler passed me and got far enough in front of me and put the blinker on and finally got in front of me, and all of a sudden I looked and saw a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker said, Beef, real food for real people. I thought, those cows should be worried. <laughs> because they're going somewhere they don't really want to go. And if I had sped up and rolled out the electric window and said, uh, you on the wrong road, they wouldn't have listened to me. But, you know, a lot of us, like those cows, everything seems smooth. I mean, the interstate, I mean, that, that road we're on, it's big and broad, 
and uh, there's no potholes. And like those cows, we feel like we've been chauffeured through life. I mean, everything's good at University of Georgia. Everything's good at church. Everything's good at home. I got money in the bank account. I mean, everything. I got all the friends I want. I'm doing everything. Best part is everything. But what we don't know is God looks at us, that little bumper sticker, the broad road that leads to destruction. And I'm tell you what God does because he loves us. I don't think it happens every day. Maybe it does. I don't think so. But ever so often, God sends somebody. It could be a friend, just one-on-one. It could be a wife who talks to a husband. It could be a parent that talks to the child. It could be Dr. Mills every Sunday. I know he does in the pulpit. But ever so often, God sends by tonight, it's me. And in love, God says, you're on the wrong road. It may look good. You may be moving fast. But I'm going to tell you, like those cows, you may be enjoying the ride. The end destination is not going to be good. It's a broad road that leads to destruction. And I want to ask you, have you ever made life's greatest choice? I mean, be real for me. Have you ever made the greatest choice in life where you've given your life to Jesus? I'm probably talking to some dads tonight who've really never made that choice. I'm probably talking to a mama tonight who'd never made that choice. Probably talking to some students. Who the truth is right now, you say, I'm not really sure. And the question is, why in the world would you listen to what Jesus said about life's greatest choice? Why, why would you listen to what Jesus says about destination? Why would you listen to him talk about a broad road and a narrow road? Why would you listen to him talk about good fruit and bad fruit? Why would you listen to him talk about a good foundation and a bad foundation? And not make the right decision. Now listen, as I wrote this down. What would you need to do to make this decision? First of all, realize you're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. By the way, it's easy for me to say, yeah, everybody sinned. It's more difficult for me to say, no, I stand in need. It's easy for me to say, there's a lot of folks who probably need to come down here. It's different for me to say, if no one else comes, I need to make that decision. Second thing is, recognize God's provision. That's what we've been talking about in Jesus' message. The provision is not religion. The provision isn't good work. The provision is the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I shared with the youth before the service. God demonstrates his love. How? Because he died for us on the cross. Third thing, repent of your sin. That simply means to turn. If those cows were human and they were able to, what they would have needed to do is to turn around. In other words, you don't want to end up at Wendy's. You don't want to end up at Burger King. You don't want to end up at McDonald's. You don't want to do it. And they would have had to stop and turn around. I'm telling you, you don't want to end up with the broad road is leading you. And the last thing is that you confess publicly Jesus Christ. Uh, I never have any problem giving an invitation because when I read Scripture, in fact, even the Old Testament, I find verse after verse, I find encounter after encounter where people are called to Christ. Uh, Jesus never called people privately. He always called people in a crowd, usually larger than this. He always called people to publicly confess him. I want every head bowed, every eyes closed. We're going to give you an opportunity to make life's greatest decision. You're here tonight. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to have an invitation time. Uh, let me say a special word to the student. We talk to you about uh, the demonstration of God's love very briefly before the service. And I think you felt my heart. I didn't ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do it. And that's when you and God, 
But I want to tell you this. If in that service a moment ago, you prayed to receive Christ, remember I told you there's going to come a time in the worship center we're going to give an invitation. Pastor David and Tommy and others are going to be down front. And let me tell you how simple this is. Now, I'm going to say it's easy because that spiritual warfare, I understand. That first step is tough. Let me tell you how simple it is. If you prayed in the pre-service with the students during the pizza time, we give the invitation. Don't, 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 even, don't even hesitate. When we stand in just a moment, don't even wait for that first word of the song. Just step out and come and tell one of these pastors. Maybe tell Pastor Tommy, tell, tell one of the other pastors. Just say, hey, I prayed that prayer. They, they know exactly what you mean. They're not going to grill you. They're not going to say, what you talking about a prayer? They know exactly what you're talking about. We've made it as easy as we can make it, as simple as we can make it. Maybe you're here tonight, and the reality is when it comes to making life's greatest choice, you know deep in your heart that you've never made that decision. That, humanly speaking, uh, you, you look like a good person. Humanly speaking, you do a lot of good things. Humanly speaking, you're a kind person, perhaps. But deep down in your heart, you know, you know, I've never really made that decision. I don't have a piece about it. And that's God telling you something's not quite right. And even the Christian who has doubts that there, there's something not quite right doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means there's something that you probably need to talk to the pastor about. Get those things settled. Nail it down. But if you're here tonight and you say, I'd, I'd like to give my life to Jesus, you can ask him right now. The Bible says that everyone, not just somebody, but everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does it mean to call on God? It means to call upon his name. It means to pray. Now, you don't need my words. There's nothing magical about saying words. In fact, you could repeat a prayer, and if you don't mean it, it's not sincere, it won't do anything. But maybe you hear tonight and you say, no, I, I'm serious, I'm sincere, I'm ready. I want to make that choice. I'm on the wrong road. You can pray something like this just in your heart and mind. Dear God, Father, I believe I'm on the wrong road. Father, I want to get on the narrow road. I want to get on the road that leads to salvation. So, Lord... I ask you to forgive, forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. Lord, I acknowledge through this prayer that I believe that Jesus Christ died. I believe he rose from the dead. And Father, this very moment, I want to turn from my sin and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and save me. And Father, I pray, give me the strength day by day to live for you, to honor you, to be what you want me to be. Lord, give me the strength during the invitation time to come and tell one of these pastors, Lord, because they can help me. Lord, give me the strength to fall through in baptism. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to play any games with you, but I'm going to say this. If you prayed that prayer just in your heart and you really meant it, I'm about to say amen. We're going to stand and invitation is going to begin. And I'm going to tell you, invitation won't last long. They're over very quickly. They don't last very long. Don't let the moment pass you by. Father, we give this invitation time. We thank you for the life and the message and the words of our Lord Jesus. We thank you for the love he had. Not only did he die for us, but Lord, how clearly he told us the road to go to heaven. And Father, I pray tonight for all who are listening. I pray for all who, who've made that decision. I believe some folks have made the decision. But Lord, give us that boldness to confess you before people by coming forward. Uh, Lord, give these pastors the wisdom in the coming days to help disciple. I know they will help disciple and mature these believers. 
And Father, we thank you and give you honor for all you're going to do and all you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand right now as Tim leads us in the song, Just As I Am. And as he begins to lead us, even right now, just go ahead and step out. You need to come. You've prayed that prayer. First step's the toughest. Just let one of these pastors know, hey, I prayed that prayer tonight.